Six refugees have arrived in New Zealand after being detained in offshore Australian detention camps for years. However, there are many more who are waiting for their freedom day to come. Their arrival is part of an offer made by the New Zealand government to resettle up to 150 people detained on Nauru and PNG each year. The Australian government accepted the offer in March this year and the first refugees arrived this week. Nadia Lewis has been covering the story and spoke with Refugee Action Coalition's Ian Rintoul, who's been an advocate for two decades. I spoke to them you know, in the weeks leading up to it and then on the, on the morning and I've uh, spoken to one of them since they've arrived in uh, Auckland. There's six of them, um, one Sudanese, one Cameroonian and four Rohingya refugees. What has the process been like for them so far? Well, mostly it's it's relief, I guess. Uh, they just said they had they had a, a very good sleep, and uh, that's that's really all that had happened. They arrived in Auckland and had a you know had a, a solid sleep, and they were you know then going to find out you know all the you know the rigmarole of the, you know getting you know signed up and filling out papers, no doubt, and starting to be you know shown around the you know what's uh, in, in New Zealand, so that people get can get oriented for their their new life there. And can you explain how long this process has been? The New Zealand offer of taking 150 people a year actually goes back to John Key in 2014. So it's it's eight years, you know, that people had some expectation that New Zealand, you know, might be a possibility. But of course, New Zealand wasn't willing to do anything without the OK of the, the Australian government, and it took until March this year before the Australian government actually signed a deal with New Zealand about resettling people you know, from uh, Nauru. So it's been a very torturous process. I mean, it's very difficult to sum up, you know, the the horrific circumstances on Nauru that people have, uh, you know, have gone through uh, to, you know, to get to this point. Uh, they've been denied, uh, you know, so many things. Uh, they've had eight years of their lives, uh, you know, robbed from them. And uh, you can only imagine what that means for people who were expecting to be able to study, expecting to be able to get on with their careers, being able to want, wanting to be able to work to provide money uh, for, you know, families who are in, you know, dangerous circumstances uh, at, at home, as well as offer them, you know, some, you know, possibilities of safety uh, themselves from, you know, family reunion. Uh, so um, it's been an absolutely horrendous process. I mean, Amnesty and other organisations have described it as a, you know, akin to torture what people have been through on Nauru. So it's a, a relief that they're off Nauru um, and uh, they can, you know, begin their new life. But as always, uh, they still have a lot of concern for the people who are who are left behind. That's right, and it's my understanding that less than 150 uh, are detained. And is it? frustrating that there is the 150 a year quota I guess yet only six have been transferred or resettled this year? Look it is it is a frustration I mean the fact is that uh, all the people could have been taken off uh, Nauru to, to New Zealand they still would have been under the 150. One of the obst- <coughs> obstacles for that is that uh, while there are people who are still um, engaged with the US as it's called or the possibility of going to Canada then they're not eligible to go you know to Nauru but uh, sorry to New Zealand but uh, the fact is that people I know some people who have been accepted to the United States you know more than four years ago and they've heard they've heard nothing uh, and there's no indication that they're actually going to end up in the in the in the United States um, so you know that uh, it's a big problem it's, in one respect, it's not New Zealand's problem. I mean, the Australian government has, you know, a fundamental responsibility for the people that they, you know, dumped offshore. Uh, and <clears throat> really, our argument is that they should all be brought to 
Australia, uh, regardless of where they may end up as a third country, if they want to accept a third country settlement, if they eventually get to New Zealand or Canada or the United States, well, that's up to them. But there really is no excuse uh, for the continued detention on you know on the road. Uh, their people's health, their psychological well-being, still you know still deteriorates. There are many people who need medical treatment that's not available on the road, and yet they're not they're not transferred anywhere to get that medical treatment. Absolutely, and I have been in contact with one refugee, Hassan. I'm not sure if he has been transferred to New Zealand or not. Maybe you could clarify that. But he has been transferred to Australia. And the last contact I had with him, he was saying that his mental health has deteriorated, that he's been kept in confinement in a room, uh, and that has actually impacted his mental health even further. And that's in recent weeks. What do you know about that situation? Well, her son has has been released now into community detention, uh, so that's a big relief for him. But he was he was you know ho- horrified that he was transferred from Australia, uh, to, sorry, to Australia from Nauru, uh, but ended up being you know in detention in you know in Brisbane, uh, contrary to what he was you know told that he should expect in terms of medical treatment. So not, not only did he not get medical treatment, he got you know more you know more torture as far as uh, you know detention in. You know, Brisbane was you know was concerned, and that's you know that's our, our concern that we have with the people who are being transferred you know to uh, Australia. Uh, that uh, people are still being confined if they do, um, if they are lucky enough. But it is an extremely exceptional circumstance. I mean, Hassan's just one who managed to get to Australia, uh, and uh, there are you know a very large number of uh, other people uh, that you know I know that 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 uh, notices have been given to the Australian government uh, over their concern about their 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 physical or mental health on the route but you know nothing's happening you know about that i think the other issue is you know is papua new guinea where where new zealand has a separate arrangement with the unhcr to actually accept people uh, from uh, you know papua new guinea but um there's only one one man and his uh, PNG family has gone from PNG uh, to New Zealand, you know, so far. So it's another area where I really think the New Zealand government could be very proactive to engage, you know, directly with the, uh, the government in Papua New Guinea uh, to get as many people, you know, out of Papua New Guinea as uh, possibly can. They could, uh, as I said, they could take all the people that they've interviewed on the route uh, and all the people in Papua New Guinea and probably just meet the 150 uh, quota that they've that they've set. Lydia Lewis has requested comment from both the New Zealand and Australia governments.